Holy smokes, Bibbit, what's happening? This, uh, is happening. <laughs> My Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've just been at the grind all January, mining that fiat, trying to, uh, also grind away at all our diet registration, um, efforts. Yeah, things are starting to get busier now. Now we're getting into February. I mean, we, we work in similar realms. You know how quiet it can be in January. Oh. <laughs> I mean, personally, I welcome it. I love love having a little bit of a break at the start of the year. Uh, I get to stay inside where it's. Uh, I've got some. I've got my heating. I've got my dogs keeping me company. Yeah, I can relate. In Canada, it's just like those are the worst months to work. Literally January and February, because you never know if you if you're going to be driving home and nasty nasty weather and. Yeah, I definitely dislike it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm grateful that I don't have it as bad as Canada. It gets pretty cold here in England, um, but it gets cold for like a week and then it warms up again and then it gets cold again and then it warms up again. <laughs> <laughs> You're crying little little frosty tears there. Just, yeah, just little tears, although it's, it has been pretty warm lately, so I've been okay with that. Uh, yeah, it's been a very mild. It was a mild Christmas and a mild January for us. Not not much in the way of frosts, but I think we got one last frost left in February, and then hopefully it can bring on the spring and the sunshine. But uh, we're not here today to talk about weather. Uh, I am getting. I uh, what's the word? I digress as I always do. Um, and hopefully, yeah, towards the end, we can we can maybe open the floor for some questions. People might have some, but we're hoping to kind of cover everything. We're going to do a real big bird's eye view and then slowly dr- zoom in and into kind of, I think, what a lot of people are concerned about, which is a specific direct stock purchase plan. Um, but, yeah, first off, we are here to talk about direct stock purchase plans. Um there's a lot more nuance to them than, than you might expect. Uh, they are, they come in a variety of flavors and sizes and shapes and everything. Um, I'm going to just pop in the nest now quickly, the investopedia page about direct stock purchase plans. Um, what's interesting about this post, uh, the investopedia page is that it describes a very specific kind of direct stock purchase plan, which is actually becoming less and less common. Um, so that is a, is something that we need to clarify, um, as, uh, as we go through. Um, so I think, yeah, if we, uh, and charges is up here, he's going to be talk- talking it through with me. Um, we'll start with uh, just what is an issuer plan. Let's zoom all the way out. Um, so plans, as I'm sure a lot of a lot of people here know, I'm preaching to the choir right now. They are forms of buying shares directly through the company, or in most cases these days, directly through the transfer agent of the company. Um, they are advertised as basically you buy from a shelf of reserves of a company. Uh, a shelf of reserve shares that the company sets to one side and is like, yep, people can buy these shares directly from us. It removes the market entirely, allows you to buy from the issuer. It's like creates that 
direct connection to the company and uh, the investor um, and just uh, sounds great on paper. Um, and uh, I, I like can see why a lot of people would uh, support it. Uh, and it's something that I use myself uh, as an international investor and we'll go, we'll go into that later. Um, but yeah, they are predominantly ways of buying shares, whether one-off or recurring uh, in a specific stock um, because each stock has their own purchase plan. You can't just sign up to any old purchase plan and buy all the different stocks through them. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that is basically more or less what the, the Investopedia thing covers. It kind of goes into more kind of like, oh, you shouldn't use this because it's difficult. And brokers are so convenient, aren't they? Everyone should use brokers. It's uh, the, <laughs> the overarching theme of a lot of uh, sites that talk about uh, direct stock purchase plans or transfer agents, um, the SEC included. Um, so why why would an issuer or you know a company choose to have a direct stock purchase plan um and there there can be many reasons for that um and they can have many like i said many different flavors and shapes and sizes to them um they uh oh sorry i'm getting a dm <laughs> i'm so bad at t- talking and reading at the same time um da, da, da. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I was just sending a source over for the Nest, the SEC page that also describes plans uh, in the same way as the Investopedia page. Just an- another step up on the on the sourcing, so we can include that too. For sure, I'm going to get that in the in the Nest now. Um, actually, I'm going to open that link real quick. Uh, Oh, yes. And of course, the direct stock purchase plan isn't all about purchasing. It also allows you to sell the shares directly through the transfer agent or through the company. Um, But there are often fees associated with both the buying and the selling, which we can get into later. Um, What what the SEC don't go into when you buy through a broker is the, the hidden fees associated with those, because there are often seven to 11 people in between you and buying your share when you use a broker and all of those people get paid yet somehow it's commission free. So someone can explain that for me, but uh, to me, it just sounds very suspicious. Um, let's see. So uh, so just to kind of get a broad overview of the different kinds of purchase plans there are. Um, there are kind of the traditional direct stock purchase plans. Like I mentioned earlier, those ones are the ones that you actually buy from a shelf of reserves. Um, a good example of this, if anyone wants to look it up, is Home Depots or Home Depots. Let's just say that properly with the American pronunciation. Uh, Home Depots, uh, Depot Direct. Um which is sponsored by Home Depot and they have set aside 2 million shares specifically for selling directly to investors or participants of the plan. Um, and then you get uh, kind of newer uh, direct stock purchase plans, which uh, is kind of awkward calling them a direct stock purchase plan because the transfer agent takes your order to the market, not to the company. 
Um, so you're not actually buying direct. You're just using the transfer agent instead of a broker. And ultimately, the transfer agent uses a broker, an executing broker, to execute the trades on the market and then removes those shares from the DTC, puts them in the plan pool, um, the which is the big pool of shares in the uh, plan for that company. Um, and uh, while they are removed from the DTC, they are still managed, maintained, controlled, owned by the transfer agent or their subsidiary slash broker slash nominee, uh, which is all one and the same. Uh, and we'll go into that more later as well. It's so hard not to get dive too deep. Um, but yeah, when you look at the Investopedia page or the SEC page, uh, which I'm literally just finally pasting now and putting that in the nest, um, that is describing the more traditional one where you buy direct. Uh, and it's very easy to lump the two together because they're both called direct stock purchase plans. Uh, and I'm not sure how they can get away with that when you're not buying direct. The the plan is not uh, when you're buying through the market, the plan's not sponsored by the company and often um, for example, uh, ANC, um, they use the exact same direct stock purchase plan as uh, GameStop and a bunch of other companies that use computer share. Um, but if you go to AMC's website, they will tell you they do not have a direct stock purchase plan. They don't sponsor one. It's nothing to do with them. It's entirely to do with the transfer agent. Um, and they, you know, like I said, manage, maintain, control, own the shares and also uh, facilitate the buying through the market uh, without kind of getting the, the company involved at all. Um, and uh, you might wonder like, oh, well, why why can the company say they don't have one, but then the transfer agent does have it? And it's kind of in that, the fact that the, the company has nothing to do with it. But the benefit for the company, so you might wonder like, oh, why, why are AMC or GameStop or, you know, all these companies choosing this kind of plan? Um we we don't have a direct source, a primary source, but we have read documents that state that the di uh, direct stock um, plan that Computer Share offers is completely free to the issuer. It's just a little checkbox. You're like, would you like that? Yeah, why not? And it's added for free. Um, so it's... Uh, very convenient <laughs> and uh, as we know convenience is often king when when decisions like this get made um and uh, there is a third main kind of purchase plan which is an employee stock ownership plan um it's interesting that they don't use purchase as part of the title uh, and it's largely because it's tied up with wages and things like that uh and there are some tax advantages so it's not strictly a purchase uh, I think some companies also offer to top up your contributions as well. Um, but I think Chives has a bit more uh, information on that. If you want to jump in, Chives. Sure. Uh, just to speak on, you know, the, these ESOPs, uh, the ESOP, the acronym, uh, I think they're, they can be pretty great. And we just wanted to cover them in this episode kind of for completeness. Essentially, what they allow is for employees of a company to be able to use some of their wages uh, pre-tax to purchase stock uh, in a plan that the company is running through a trust fund. 
Um, essentially companies, they set up a trust fund and then they can either put cash in it to buy company stock on the market, or they could even choose to issue shares directly in the name of that fund. And then either way, the employees who are choosing to participate can gradually uh, own stock, you know, through that trust fund, but outside of the broker system, uh, you know, over the period of time that they're working with the company. And so, you know, in terms of why that might be helpful, uh, the company, you know, they can use it to, if they want to, maybe there's an insider who wants to disperse stock, but doesn't want to sell it into the open market. They can put it into an ESOP in order to gradually, uh, dis- you know, disperse their holdings if they're leaving the company or something like that. Um, and maybe that's going to have less of an adverse effect on stock price. And then from the employee side, maybe if you're, you know, investing in the company you're with, you're more interested in its success. And so maybe you're a more, uh, you know, um, directed or successful worker. And then of course, having that tax advantage stock purchasing, uh, if the, if you're in a good economic year is probably going to be better than the cash you'd be getting otherwise. So those are the kind of different benefits or angles of that. Um, they're not very common. Um, according to, uh, ESOP.org, which is a nonprofit that tracks these types of plans. Uh, only about 60% of companies, including public and private, uh, and I say only, that sounds like a lot, right? 60% of public and private companies. However, less than 10% of that are public companies. So in terms of our conversation here regarding uh, publicly traded companies, uh, only a small percentage, you know, a few hundred uh, out of the over 10,000 publicly traded companies are going to offer this kind of plan. I think one one thing to just add on top of that is so someone was telling me the other day that they know someone who works at Publix uh, just to get on their employee stock program. They like they work there like one day a week just so they can buy that stock because I I believe it's a private company, uh, so it's their only way in. Uh, I just think that's fascinating. <laughs> like someone could want a stock so much that they'll just go and work for that company in order to get it. Um, but yeah, just a just a little anecdote to throw at the end there. Um, but uh, so we've kind of we've covered these different issuer plans. We've covered what they are, uh, and we've covered why a company would want one. Um, but maybe we can we can talk briefly about who would uh, on the investor side would be interested in a purchase plan, um, because on at face value, you know it's. You're buying shares often if you're using this digital direct stock plan, uh, the computer share product, um, you're buying through the market regardless. So who who would choose to use this plan versus using a broker? Um, uh, like you might have someone who wants to be recorded on the ledger, whether that's uh, in a, a subclass or in um, uh, in the full full sole legal title holder ownership. Um, uh, but like for me, that's that's where I'm at. I want to actually be directly registered and have sole legal title. Um, holding through a plan doesn't actually offer you that while you are a registered holder technically because your name is recorded on the, the stock's ledger in the subclass underneath the, the nominee name of the, the plan administrator. Um, you are not the legal owner. So um, 
I, it kind of confuses me why some people would want to buy through plan and then just keep it in plan because for me the idea of getting into direct registration is to be directly registered and have that direct ownership of my shares uh, and have no intermediaries um and while i mean transfer agents and their forms of beneficial ownership are way better than any broker could ever offer or hope to offer it's still not full legal ownership and that's just that's where i draw that line personally um and yeah another another option could be uh, people who want consistent purchases without oversight, you know, you just set and forget, you put your purchase plan on, uh, you set it and forget it, and it kind of buys away month to month, week to week, however you set it. Um, and uh, there is also the fact that buying through the plan or any plan, um, it can be batched. So your orders will be lumped with a bunch of other people's. So if you're buying less than 100 shares, it could be paired up with other people's orders till the point it reaches over 100 shares. So that's what's called a um, an even or round lot, I believe, um, a mixed or round lot. That's it, um, which means it does actually hit the ticker tape and it does actually impact the price. Um, but we can hopefully go into that more later because we've seen specifically with GameStop, there's a lot of people using that purchase plan. We know when the buy dates are, we know when the times of the buys are and the price does improve in about the 10 minute window that the, the plan, the plan makes its purchase and then it drops again immediately. Um, so it impacts the price, but then it gets undone very quickly. Um, and also to go back to the whole point of recurring purchases, it can help with your dollar cost averaging. If you're not, you know, paying attention to the price every day, you can just keep buying and eventually you'll hit a really nice kind of level of, of uh, your um, price entry point. Oh, I'm blanking on the actual proper phrase for it. But while I'm trying to think of that, um, proving your bull, I see you've got your hand up. Did you want to mention something? Yeah, sorry. I was on my, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Loud and clear. Okay. I was on my computer and I was trying to talk and it looked like no, nobody could hear me. Uh, so I had to drop out and rejoin on my phone. Um, I was just going to add, like, I was going to add on to what Chais was saying. I actually worked professionally, uh, in the industry and in ESOPs for private, uh, startups. So basically helping small software companies set up ESOP plans for their employees. Um, so I, I know exactly this, like this entire realm. I can tell you like way more than you want to know about IRS code 49A, which is the legal framework they use to, uh, value and regulate ESOPs. Um, it's a really good trend, I think, in, you know, the private market space because it, it allows employees to get ownership of the, of real ownership shares of the company because like you said, um, ESOPs, especially in, I mean, the private market, they are certificated shares. And so you own the shares that you get. And most companies will grant them in the form of options, although they can do also RSUs or RSAs. Um, but that's, it's a little, it's adjacent, but not like exactly on our topic. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to add that. And I'm excited to hear six days, one week and loss and, you know, dive further into this. Yeah, likewise. Um, I think we're going to get yeah bring them up in a in a minute, uh, and they can speak more on that and also hype maybe some future content. Um, but uh, but yeah, 
Um, so I, I just want to speak quickly on my perspective as an international, you know, non-American uh, shareholder investor um, and why I choose to use a purchase plan. Uh, I do. Um, like in the past year, I have used both interactive brokers and uh, the direct stock purchase plan when I'm when I'm buying shares um, of whichever company I choose to invest in. Um, and it kind of varies why I choose which way I want to go. Um, I mean, luckily, I have access to interactive brokers. Not everyone does, um, but they are one of the cheapest brokers to directly register shares with outside of America. They they charge five dollars per DRS transfer. Um, but in a lot of countries, either it's nearly impossible to find a broker that can direct uh, direct DRS transfer your shares um, or uh if say you're in canada then on average your broker is going to charge you 100 to 300 dollars per drs transfer which is just an insane jump from five dollars per transfer um so it is uh using either interactive brokers or plan purchasing is a really great way to get access to these markets as a non-us investor uh you just need a wise account wise.com what I use for it. I think there might be other services out there that do the same thing as wise, uh, but they set you up with a routing number and um, uh, everything you need to basically submit that purchase directly through computer share. Um, and the fees are relatively similar. So it's, it's really evenly balanced when it comes to fees for me. Um, like I said, interactive brokers charge you $5 per transfer. Um, with computer share, it's about five dollars per individual purchase, one-off purchase, which is the ones that I I've done. Uh, plus, I think twelve cents per share purchased. That that might be for sales. Uh, we'll we'll come back to this with Lawson in six days in a minute. Um, but ultimately, that kind of twelve cents is negligible, especially when you take into account uh, currency conversion fees between the two platforms, Wise and Interactive Brokers. And then, like I mentioned earlier, when you're buying with a broker, there's several people, at least eight people, or set, at least seven people between you and your share purchase, and all of them take a cut. So all those people can somehow profit off this zero commi- 0% commission, um, which just, yeah, makes me a bit dubious about the, the credibility of the purchase that I make through a broker. Um, but what it really... When you say people, sorry, mm. but when you say people, do you, you mean like institutions, right? Yes. I mean, it, it can be, and, yeah, clearing houses and uh, dark, whoever maintains, manages the dark pools, OTC markets and all that kind of stuff. That is an insane stat. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely insane. I still can't understand it. It's like, yeah, how how am I? You're telling me I'm I'm getting this share for free, and yet several people have profited in the process. Where does that money come from? Because you're saying I'm not paying for it, but clearly someone's paying for it. I think the way to think about it is with scale. You know, if if you're buying it, whatever fifteen oh one, but there's actually three or four more decimal places after that. And then, you know, there's millions of shares or however many shares being traded in a day. There's plenty of uh, plenty of room in there for folks to walk away with with money. And that's not even getting into, you know, that's assuming instant settlement, which uh, which is not what happens. So there's a lot more of a range than just the one that you see on the ticker when you purchase. 
Yeah. It's wild. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So the main, the main thing that I weigh up when I'm looking to buy is do I care about the timing? Because with interactive brokers, I can set a limit by uh, to execute at a certain price, or I can just do a market order and buy at the time, whatever the price is. When I go to buy through the computer share or a transfer agent in general, uh, or through any kind of stock purchase plan, they don't play with your money. They they don't have access to your money. Um, they can't hold on to it for you like a broker can or a bank. Um, so they have to wait two, two to three days for your cash to settle with them. Then they take your money to the market, spend every last penny of it. And then uh, they've got to wait again two to three days for the shares to then settle and then land in your account. But that, you know, two to three days can make a big difference in price swings, depending how volatile the stock is that you're you're buying. Um, but, yeah, for me, I, I'm not always great at timing the market. I, In fact, I rarely am. Uh, I often find the more I think about it, the worse I am. So... <laughs> I just I set it up on computer share and I'm like whatever price it lands on that's the price it lands on uh, and it's out of my hands now uh, so I end up kicking myself a bit less um, but yeah I I could still be losing out on some money there for all I know if, if I were to go back and really like add it all up um, but yeah ain't nobody got time for that um, but yeah I was thinking we could speak briefly about why an American uh, would use a purchase plan um, and then we'll bring up six days in Lawson to talk more about these fees because uh, they are uni- they're universal across all plans and inside and outside the US um, so for Americans it's it's I mean I can't speak from a personal experience but uh, as we mentioned before there's the set and forget element you can just set that thing going and you don't have to think about it you don't have to log into your broker or whatever on every seven days or every month or fortnight or whatever uh and um yeah you, you there's that convenience element to it um but ultimately these fees as we've been talking about um for americans specifically are higher than the majority of american brokers uh the the domestic brokers in in america large uh yeah largely can do it for free uh, like Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, uh, Vanguard, just to name a few of the biggest ones out there. Um, and yet um, you get the odd outlier like uh, Trade Zero, I believe. They tar- they charge $250 per DRS transfer, which is just wild, uh, considering <laughs> their largest competitors do it for free. But uh but yeah, so it's kind of hard, like that. Plus, also, there's the timing element. You can't time your purchases through a stock stock plan, so um, it's harder to, for me to see why, other than convenience, why an American would buy directly. Um, Charles, I don't know if you had any more to, to chime in on that. With uh, no, I think you well covered it. I mean, ultimately, as an American myself. Um, it's easiest for me to time my buys the way I'd like to uh, through a broker and then transfer for free. Um, use IEX where possible, but it, you know that's not necessarily reliable. Uh, at the end of the day, it's really up to any individual's personal preference. Uh, the objective here is not to say you know that 
one particular method of purchasing is outright better or worse, but more that they're different and have different implications in terms of uh, what you end up with on the other side. And uh, it's important for everyone to have a, a full framework and um, view of those differences so that they can make the best investment decision for them. Uh, so I'm really glad to be getting deeper into this and glad to have uh, Six Days in Lawson up shortly to uh, talk even more about some of these details. Yeah, that's that's what we're here for, is just presenting the information so people can make that informed t- decision themselves because there are so many things to weigh up here. A lot of people are saying, you know, you should only care about this or that, but actually there's a whole plethora of things to kind of weigh up. Um, and, you know, not everyone wants to do that. I can appreciate that. So hopefully us talking it through today will help people kind of come to their own conclusions a bit easier. Um so yeah, I think uh, that's a good good time to bring up the the fees, um, the fee structures, how that can uh, make a difference uh, in terms of how much you get out of your investment um, per dollar, kind of a thing. So um, Lawson and Six Days, I don't know if uh, what you want to jump in with first. I'm gonna briefly put up in the post now in the nest now and this will all be in the show notes when this is all out on the podcast networks um the links to the last couple of uh videos that you guys worked on with uh peruvian bull um talking about the direct registration stuff uh and going through a bit of heat lamp theory i recommend anyone who hasn't gone and uh watched or listened to those to go back and check those out because they're they're very informative they're very well explained and thorough um and usually i think most people who had questions after the first video it was all answered more or less by the second one uh and it may even there may even be more that you answer in the third one um so yeah take it away okay six days did you want to start because this is kind of your idea i just kind of did some work in the in the background Lawson, if you're talking i can't uh, um yeah uh sure let me see can you guys hear me i can yeah i can hear you loud and okay. clear yeah i think um you know just kind of going through um the fees that computer share charges for direct purchases i think a lot of people just kind of do the set it and forget it and I I actually have um, probably seven different plans with um, seven seven different issuers. Uh, probably a lot of you know I have hundreds of securities DRS, um, so I can look at different plans. I go in through the plans. It it looks like out of all the issuers that I own, um, I would say um, maybe a third use the direct stock plan that. Um, we call the boilerplate plan. It's kind of like the free plan, um, you know, where issuers kind of come in, it kind of gives them everything that they want and they push a lot of the fees onto the investors like us. And so I think um, a lot of the issuers don't really realize how it's affecting investors and what it actually means to own DSPP shares and who's picking up all these fees and, you know, how it's, uh, I would say, not disclosed well that these shares that you're buying through plan are not DRS and that they're beneficially held. 
if you go to the FAQ page on Computer Share, and it says they kind of ask themselves the question, are these shares beneficially held? And instead of saying yes or no, they kind of really give you this really weird answer that doesn't even answer the question. But um, moving on from that, I, I know a lot of people feel like, um, you know, I don't like Computer Share. I would say Computer Share has the best user interface. They have, uh, it's actually the easiest to navigate. You know, yes, it's a dinosaur, but, you know, a lot of the other transfer agents are light years behind that. So although I do have a lot of criticisms for Computer Share, you know, they kind of actually are, even though they're behind the times, in my opinion, they are still leading the charge a little bit. But there are a few things that I believe they're not disclosing as well as they could. And I believe that a lot of the issuers are a little bit blind to that. And so I'm looking at um, one of my recurring buys. And I just, I, you know, I do all these different tests. I like to I like to see how things happen because, you know, when you're looking at GameStop only, you really, you really don't get the full picture. You know, you're not reading other plans. A lot of the guys on here, you know, are all into this stuff. You know, we, we love to share information, talk about these plans. And so, you know, I'm looking at this one plan and I've just got, uh, this is a worst case scenario, I would say, as far as high, highest fees, is I have a $10 recurring purchase on a, uh, once a month. And so out of the $10, um, I'm getting a fee. It's $2.60, you know, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 26%. So I'm paying a 26% commission on my purchase, you know, in order to buy through the plan. And then uh, because it is a plan share, it's not DRS, which I don't think is disclosed well. It's beneficially held. It's owned by, you know, Dingo and Company, Computer Shares nominee. And so, um, you know, really, I was talking with Lawson a little bit. We were trying to break down. You know, again, this is the worst case scenario, I believe. I think the minimum buy you can do is 10 bucks. And so probably 26% is the highest. If you wanted to go make a $10,000 purchase, it would probably be maybe um, Lawson can get into this. It would probably be maybe 0.8%, you know, but that still might be $80. And he could kind of get into that. And we we're really trying to graph this out just so that people could make, you know, the most informed decision. Because, you know, when you go buy on Fidelity and DRS, um, you know, I guess it's free is what they say. You know, there's not these, at least these commissions. And so, uh, you know, we've talked all along. DRS is a two-step process. You either buy a broker in DRS or you buy a computer share, which is planned, and you still need to DRS. So if you're going to do the two-step process, shouldn't you be looking at the fees and making the most informed decision that you can with all the information that's available to you? So, you know, I, I mean, that's kind of, um, you know, where we're getting at. I think um, Lawson had made a couple slides that just kind of, you know, show what some of the fees are for different types of purchases. So there's there's fees for, for you know, buying, but there's also fees for selling. And, you know, I know a lot of people um, when they, um, you know, if if things go nuts and this price goes very high and someone wants to sell, uh, $100,000 of stock, um, I believe that they're going to pay about $800 to do it if they sell through computer share, as opposed to 
transferring to a broker and selling, you know, at the market price. So I, I, I don't know if you kind of want to expand on this a little bit, Lawson. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I started putting together a presentation. Uh, we were gonna... I can't hear him. Can anyone else hear him? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear Lawson. Oh, I can hear him. Okay. I'll drop down and come back up. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Oh, no, thanks for calling it out. Yeah. yeah, for sure. If if anyone in the audience can't hear Lawson, either give us a little emoji, a little, what are the options? A little thumbs down emoji. <laughs> but if you can hear him, give us a thumbs up. All right, Lawson, okay. feel free to take it away. Okay, so yeah, um, I started putting together a, a, a PowerPoint presentation. We were going to ask Peruvian Bull to maybe do a, a 10, 15 minute video going through specific examples of what it might cost as a percentage of your investment if you're buying plan shares and selling plan shares. But, uh, you know, before I do that, I just want to mention that, you know, DRS is a right. It's not some sort of privilege. As of January 1st, 2008, all issues listed on the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ must be eligible for inclusion in DRS. So these plans specifically for GameStop, direct stock. This is something extra that ComputerShare is offering. It has nothing to do with DRS. And I agree with uh, Six Days. He has more experience than other uh, transfer agents, but I think ComputerShare is, is a good company. It's a for-profit for company. So their, some of their goals aren't going to be aligned necessarily with their, their clients. And the two examples I, I put together, I think Bibic posted the slides. Um, I'll go through those, but I do want to just talk briefly about the possible fees that you could incur. Um, you know, when you do a one-time investment through the plan, nothing to do with DRS. This is just buying shares in the plan. You get charged five dollars right off the bat. All right, that's not recurring. If you do recurring. It's only two fifty for each purchase, but when you buy, you also get charged five cents per share, right? And uh, once you go to sell, there's a twenty-five dollar charge to sell. Even if you sell one share, it's going to cost you twenty-five dollars, and then it's twelve cents for every share you sell. And if you want to get that money mailed to you in a check, that would be five dollars. If you want like in my case, I have uh, my bank's account at ComputerShare. So if I wanted money transferred over, if I didn't want to wait for a check, they would just wire it over. And that's $35 that ComputerShare charges. Uh, and then your bank might charge something in addition to that, uh, probably like $15 or $25. So the first example in the slides or in the nest is, say someone bought $1,000 wanted to invest $1,000 in GME at the current price of, say, it's $1,450. The fees associated with that would be a one $5 time fee, $5, and then $0.05 cents per share, which would come out to $3.45 in this case, and you'd end up with 68.38 shares. So after you make that initial purchase, the value of your investment would be $991. You know, so... You lost a little bit of money there. And then in the next slide, uh, let's just 
say you went to sell it and the price was it stayed at 1450 and you go to sell it the initial fee would be $25 and then 12 cents for every share that you sold which would come out to $8.21 and let's say you took the cheaper route to have the money sent to you by check that would be $5 so the value of your investment after that sale would be $953 so if if you sum up that that transaction it, you know of course most people are going to hold on to it and collect more and more down the road. But, you know, your, your share, the share price would have to increase by 4.67%, more than 4.67% before you break even on that transaction, right? That That's pretty costly. And I understand why some international investors would want to go this route, but that's a, that's pretty costly, you know, the, the buy and sell compared to a broker. And, you know, I, I did want to ask maybe Vivek and Chives, like, um, I'm not so sure that, uh, well, let me take a step back. Transferations have to be in, um, uh, what do you call it, a DTC uh, associate. There's a specific term for it. But anyways, when you go to sell your planned shares, they have to go through their broker, which then places it back into DTC and makes the sale. I don't think there's a real guarantee that, you know, some of those sales aren't front run like the brokers or if there might not be pay for order flow behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, Vivek, you were talking about all the people taking the cuts out of the, the sales. You know, I don't I don't know for sure that that doesn't happen with transfer agents because they have to send those to their broker back to the, D, you know, in the DTC and. I think that stuff is possible uh, anyways. But uh, let me finish this. You know, this is for $1,000 invested, the example in, in the slides. If, say you only invested $200, um, you know, your total fees for the buy and sell, it would be pretty high comparatively because you got that $5 one-time investment for buying, the $25 uh, handling fee for selling, and then the five cents for buy, twelve. Oh, Lawson's gone for me. I think he just got cut off by the internet. Can anyone else stay, still hear him? Hello. Yeah, it sounded like that to me too. You, you got cut off there briefly, Lawson. It's the okay. the internet decided to have enough with you. All right. <laughs> well, um, I just wanted to say, it's like, Ken, you know, it's Ken Griffin at the circuit boards. <laughs> um. So the, the slides in the nest, it was $1,000 invested. If you only invested $200, and you still have that one-time $5 fee for buying and the $25 sale for, uh, fee for selling, and then the $0.05 cents per share for, per buy and $0.12 cents per share per sell, per share per sell, um, and the check charge. So, you know, if you're only investing $200, you're down by 18.65% right off the bat. If you went that route and the shares stayed stagnant, the price stayed stagnant. So, you know, the lower amount of money you're investing, the, the higher the cut is as a percent. And uh, proving, well, you might've missed this because you went in and out. Um, but, you know, we were hoping, six, this is six days idea. If I put together a, a PowerPoint, maybe we could do like a 10, 15 minute video 
specifically going through these different types of prices and how it might affect the, uh, you know, smaller purchases the most. Like if you look at the recurring buys, you know, if someone's doing $25 every two weeks, they're, they're down 11% right off the bat. In other words, they're doing reoccurring buy, recurring buys at $25 because of the set buy and set sell fees, you know, they have to get the share price has to increase by 11% before they even break even. Um, and then if you get down to like $500, if you're doing $500 every two weeks, it's not as dramatic, but, um, it's, it's pretty expensive to sell. Uh, it, you know, I, I think it's, worth diving into more sometime if you're up for a video sometime at maybe six days uh, pb and it'd be great yeah absolutely um the last two videos did really well and that was the main like concern that people had in the comments when i read was you know could you for one yeah talk more about dspp um but also you know maybe make a video 10 to 15 minutes just explaining drs the basics of it how to drs um, and why it's important because a lot of people don't have a really long attention span these days. So um, we definitely could could work on either one or both of those videos. Awesome. I, I did want to um, jump in real quick. Um, Peruvian Bull, I don't even know if you know this, um, that, you know, four of the people that are on this space actually wrote the DRS packet for Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, you know, at the request of him. So, you know, this is, there were five people, there's four of them here right now. And so, you know, this, this group um, right here are always turning over every leaf. You know, we're looking at every investment plan. We're looking at every fee. All we're trying to do is disclose information. And, and when it gets posted, you know, this is the stuff that they don't want getting out. And and I'm sure that, you know, you saw that with um, your video getting deleted or suppressed or whatever you want to call it. You know, th this is this is the type of stuff that is moving things forward. And this is what we're going to keep working on. And these are, you know, the guys, the guys that are here to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited um, to have you guys up here. And definitely we should do those videos. I was I was surprised that our GME took took that post down because it was pretty innocuous, and uh, all I did was just post the YouTube video. It looks like uh, respond to anything. Okay. Can you hear me? I think the or the no? internet was getting a bit short tempered again and it was dipping in and out, but I think we got the basics at least. It was That seems to happen to us a lot. <laughs> I, I don't Always know at the best we're, moment. We're, we're coincidentally uh unlucky, I guess. You know, our our content uh coincidentally um gets uh deleted or suppressed, you know, um and we we're having problems with our spaces. It's uh you know, it's kind of comical at this point. So yeah, I'm shorting my internet connection. I guarantee it. <laughs> Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. all clear. Okay. Yeah. So no, yeah, I got flagged for misinformation spreading, and a lot of people, a lot of the mods were messaging. 
why are you talking about a DRS now? And I was like, and why are you talking about heat lamp? And I'm like, why not? Why not now? What's the problem with now? And they wouldn't respond and then just didn't uh, back up. Um, you can still find it on my profile. Right, you're starting to cut out again for me, unfortunately. Oh, shoot. All right. Well, I'll stop. We got the basics, though. Yeah, it's strange that it, it gets mis like discussion about topics gets misconstrued as misinformation, uh, especially when we're bringing as many sources and citations as we can. We try and back everything up with primary sources. Um, but yeah, it would be great to, to see uh, some more content coming out of that. Um, some more collaborations with you guys and uh yeah we'd love to help with the little quick explainer uh of, of drs i think even if it could be under 10 minutes that would be great because anything i see over 10 minutes on youtube i'm like oh, do i have time for this and it's like well it's 10 minutes it's really not long but that, like you say attention spans are awful these days um, we do have like a 90 second explainer on the home pages of drs jimmy and why drs but you know that that could be expanded a bit more. Ten minutes is maybe a better sweet spot. If we can uh, put something together for that, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lawson, did you want to say one more thing? Well, just to um, stuff getting removed or flagged as misinformation. You know, when SEC and the FINRA came out with the bulletins, specifically saying that plan is not DRS, and if you want a DRS your plan you need to instruct the transfer agent to do so that stuff wouldn't even stay up so um it's pretty blatant what's going on i think everyone knows um it, for some reason reddit wants people not to be drs and that's that's really frustrating because the whole movement was to drs our shares and now we can't even uh put that information out for everyone that's all i got yeah, I feel that frustration for sure. It's it's hard to fight uh, people when they're they're telling you that you're misinformation and then go and misconstrue book entry with book designation uh, and conflate the two and say they're the same. But yeah, it's that's all part and parcel of this community sometimes. And when you're trying to fight for the truth, um, but yeah, uh, moving on because uh, well, I would. I think we're going to overrun already, but uh, yeah, sorry, Joyce. If I could cut in there, I just want to, two quick things. Uh, one is a, an amusing anecdote on the same token of this, you know, uh, of sources. That SEC bulletin, you know, on one hand, um, this is what, when I didn't, we'd initially posted about it, uh, some moderators there had pointed out that the, the bottom has a, a little aside that says, you know, the bulletin, represents the staff of the Office of Investor Education and Advocacy, which is an office of the SEC that releases a, a lot of um, investor education documents along with running the investor.gov educational resource. So it's not like a, a legal opinion of the SEC, but it is released by the SEC's investor education department. So I still feel like that's a, a very valid source. Um, just kind of an amusing anecdote to add there. And then I just wanted to follow up, Lawson, on your concern about, um, you know, payment for order flow. I think it's it's entirely possible, and we should definitely keep that possibility in mind. You know, at the end of the day, all these market participants are operating uh, with 
massive informational asymmetry as opposed to retail, and they're all trying to operate at a profit. And, uh, you know, if, if you had absolute knowledge of not only when one company was going to have a massive buy, but when thousands potentially of companies were going to have buys all at the same time, uh, that seems like potentially valuable information uh, that would be, you know, legal to share um, and, and, and sell. So that's, you know, not saying that it is happening, but seems reasonable to think that it could be. Uh, that's definitely my perspective as well. well I, I did want to follow up with that, if, if I could real quick. If you watch, if you see any SEC bulletin come out, it always, there's always a disclaimer, even on that GameStop report that was released in October of 2021, the disclaimer is this isn't necessarily the opinion of the SEC. This is. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a legal maneuver with, but when you see those bulletins, that's what the SEC is saying. They just don't want to be legally held liable for what they're saying. It's ridiculous. Well, it's like I think it's not so much held liable as they can't use what they're saying in those bulletins to enforce new law. They need to pass things as proposals in order to adjust what is enforceable. And these bulletins are really more informative or maybe opinion-based uh, rather than legal uh, in terms of like the ability to regulate. Um, but that's my perspective on, on the bullet. Either way, though, it's clearly something that they're releasing. They have a reason for releasing it with this language that I have to imagine is carefully curated. And six days, I see you've got your hand up there. But you're muted. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I've talked about this before, and I don't think a lot of people know about it, but um, ComputerShare, at the bottom of their statements, it says, hey, if you want to know all the third-party fees that we may be receiving, all you got to do is write us. And I have written them, and I have written them, and I've written them. And uh, sometimes they get back. Um, they don't get back. It's usually pretty vague. They don't answer all the questions. They might say, uh, here's one one quote that I got. I said, you know, tell me all the fees on my purchases. And they said, we do, we did not get paid for uh, order flow from our broker dealer. <laughs> That's all they said. It did, I'm like, you know, so I, I, I would, uh, I'm going to keep writing them, but um, you know, if they got nothing to hide, why don't they just say we didn't get any payments? You know, um, uh, they, um, again, I believe that there's a lack of transparency. Um, I, I believe that they need to tell us if we put it in writing, just like they say. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of, when, when, uh, when they say that they're willing to do something, if you write them and then you write them and they're not willing to do it, it kind of leads me to, uh, keep asking more questions. And so, I don't know who they're getting paid from, but I, again, they're, they are a for-profit company. I don't mind if they make money, uh, but if they say that they need to disclose who's paying them, I believe that they need to do it, and they're not. Yeah, it's always certain questions we get ghosted on. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, um, yeah, I was going to mention that, how they – there are there is mention i'm trying to find the actual quote but i'm struggling uh to do it on the spot um of yeah they they do t are open to receiving other fees for all that kind of stuff 
Um, there's also, you guys uh, were talking about with selling, there's the selling fees. It's cheaper to sell through a broker. Um, there's uh, the fact that, um, well, there's there's kind of things to weigh up there as well, basically. Um, like so, someone left a comment below saying like, you know, those fees are high, but it's well worth it for actually owning your own shares. Um, and I can definitely see the value in that. Like that's someone who's making their own mind up because they have the facts. So um, I can I can definitely appreciate that. I, I feel the same when I buy direct as well versus buying through interactive brokers. Um, but then at, at the same time, uh, there are uh, mentions in the uh, terms of service, I believe, that they, they may use OTC or over-the-counter exchanges. Um, so they may not even route uh, your orders to a lit, lit exchange necessarily. Um, it just appears that they do, uh, and they may well do, but they, they don't have to. Um, so kind of figuring all these things out, it will help form a more rounded opinion of you know which way you want to take your uh orders and money um but yeah so to kind of move on to kind of the how a how a plan is kind of constructed um you you need kind of two parties to be able to create a purchase plan uh, sometimes the two parties can be one party but um Typically, well, not typically, you always need a sponsor, which is whoever is sourcing the shares and providing the shares. That can either be the company themselves, like we explained at the very start, a traditional direct stock purchase plan. The company will put the shares to one side, a shelf, have a shelf of reserves to sell directly from. Um, and uh, with the more modern one, the computer shares proprietary product, the direct stock plan. Uh, direct stock being all one word um, when I say it like that. Um, they uh, uh, they sponsor the plan themselves because they are going to the market and buying the shares for you. They're not going to uh, GameStop or, like I mentioned earlier, AMC. They say on their website they don't have a purchase plan. Um, so Computer Share is, in that case, the sponsor. Uh, and there is also an administrator of the plan, and that is the person or entity that um, manages, maintains, controls, owns um, the pool of shares, very similar to how a broker operates because they are technically a broker. Um, that is the only way they can hold uh, the, the fungible bulk, a.k.a. The, the aggregate number of shares, a.k.a. the whole plan pool. Uh, which is just one big old pool of shares. Let's say there's, there's you know, 100,000 shares in there and then like 50 of them are yours. Um, they're not set to one side being yours. They're just in the pool floating around with everyone else's. Uh, and that goes with fractional shares, which um, is uh, exactly why, you know, nominees are needed. Or um, it's also important to clarify that when I'm talking about nominees or the broker or the kind of subsidiary of the transfer agent that manages, maintains, controls, owns the uh, plan pool, they're all the same person or person slash entities slash company. So in ComputerShare's case, they have ComputerShare Trust Company NA, which I believe is National Association. I think that's the typical thing that a lot of banks use or have when there's NA at the end of their name. Um, 
And yeah, they both sponsor and administer the plan uh, for the direct stock plan. And Computer Share Trust Company NA is Computer Share, the transfer agent's subsidiary. Subsidiary, um, and they are a. I can't remember the exact word, but they're a partial DTT participant. So they can hold shares and they can connect to the. Well, they hold the shares outside of the DTC. The partial participant is in reference to the fact that they connect to the FAST system, FAST system, which is how they move the shares from the plan pool into their executing broker, which is typically Merrill uh, and and back again. Um, so it's, uh, it's also how they then transfer shares back to your broker if you've requested a transfer back that way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very kind of necessary part of of this thing um and you might think okay so every transfer agent does this for every plan but actually some companies um i was desperately trying to find an example earlier but some companies will use a bank instead um i can't remember if it's coca-cola or nokia um that use a uh, city bank to be the administrator even though they use computer share as a transfer agent so yeah, there are all sorts of ways to kind of have this arrangement of the sponsor and administrator, um, but you need both of these things to come together to be able to actually have a functioning plan. Um, and uh, I'm just going to post up in the nest now a little screenshot. This is from the front page, like the front cover of the direct stock plan, the computer share direct stock plan. Um and it literally spells out this plan is sponsored and administered by computer share trust company NA, not by any appointing issuer. So by that, they mean the company that has chosen them as a transfer agent. Um, so and then it goes on with a bunch of other uh, kind of basic terminology stuff, uh, clears them of liability. <laughs> um, and that's present in a lot of uh, purchase plan uh, brochures. It's the same in. Uh, the Home Depot um, brochure, which I was um, talking about earlier, that where uh, Home Depot sponsor the plan themselves with their two million share, shares on their shelf of reserves, um, but they still have to say all this other stuff. They do not provide uh, advice and makes no recommendation with respect to any security that is eligible for the plan, um, because yeah, they're, they're not coercing you to buy shares. Basically, is what they're trying to say. Um, uh, so let's see have I covered everything to do with nominees I think oh, one thing to kind of mention with a lot of people are concerned about fractional shares uh, when held with uh, a plan uh, administrator or in the plan pool uh, and it's important to bear in mind that in the entire plan pool there is one fractional left over typically uh, and that is usually split between Seed & Co, which is the DTC's nominee. That's you know, uh, Seed & Co is literally where every other share that's being held in brokers is actually held by and owned by. So we've gone over this a million times before, but when you're with a broker, you don't own the share. Your broker doesn't own the share. The clearinghouse doesn't own the share. It's all owned by Seed & Co or Seed & Co, which is the industry way of saying it, which I, I like because they are CD because uh, they keep everything hidden um, and secret. Um, and also they're entirely owned by the people that benefit from uh, 
the rules being more flexible for brokers um, and clearing houses and things like that. So there's definitely no conflict of interest there, right? Um, but yeah, so the plan pool, there's only one fractional. So when, when you have a fractional and you're like, well, there's not, say you have a 0.69 of a fractional, that's very nice, but uh, there's not someone else out there with a 0.31 of a fractional. It just gets in mixed in with every other whole share in the plan pool. And then eventually it tips over into the plan pool, having one little fractional left over, which is split between, uh, it appears to be split between CD and co and Dingo and co, which is in, in the case of computer share, it's Dingo and co. They are computer shares uh, nominee name when they, when operating with computer share trust company, NA, um, so uh, it's just something I wanted to clear up because I think a lot of people, when, when they think they see in their account, oh, I've got this fractional, that means there's loads of fractionals that live in the pool. It, they don't. Um, it's all, all aggregated and it's all lumped in together, much like a broker. <laughs> but, uh, oh God, Twitter is acting. I, I posted the old... Uh, screenshot but it's um it's not showing up in the list of responses maybe i need to try that again um but yeah uh so i think we're gonna finish up with looking at the different kinds of dire direct stock plans a bit more uh i'm also going to share uh some links uh one of them is for the actual direct stock uh, plan, which is where the screenshot is from, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And the other example is the Depot Direct. And you can see just off the bat, it's an entirely different brochure, lots of different stuff going on. Um, all right, that's still not working. Uh, <laughs> I've posted the screenshot several, a uh, couple times now. I'll just put that down to Twitter playing up um, and I'll go and dig out those links. But um, Chives, yeah, did you maybe we could link the uh maybe we could link to the computer share um direct purchase browsing page and what anyone who's interested can do from there it's a bit more legwork but as Twitter's going to be difficult about screenshots you can just type in a company name and as long as computer shares the transfer agent and they have some kind of plan you'll be able to view the brochure from there so you can confirm for yourself for example that GME and AMC have the exact same uh, plan. It's even the same URL for the brochure that it links to, or you can look up Home Depot if you want to see an example of a, um, a special issuance of shares by a company uh, and how that kind of plan backing can work. Uh, I'm sure Twitter will let us post a link, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, I, I think it might be the way that I'm doing it. I'm like, there's a button that says add another post uh, underneath, but I'm just going to do it as a generic response. I think hopefully that'll work, but yeah, I've got that link lined up along with uh, the direct stock plan brochure and the depot direct plan brochure. So hopefully there we go. That showed up immediately. I'm going to try that again with <laughs> the screenshot now. Um, oh, technology. I'm going to check one last time. No, all right, it's not posted. I just don't I don't want to double post on myself. 
Okay. So for anyone who does end up just looking up random companies, I, I want to mention quick that, and this will lead us into our last thing here. One other um, example of a plan brochure that you're going to see a lot will say CIP at the top, Computer Share Investment Plan. And it's going to look very similar to the direct, spo- direct stock generalized brochure. But the the main difference, if you scroll to the bottom, if you come across one of those brochures, is that it has a customized fee structure, uh, in minimum and maximum investment structures, uh, things like that, that are specific to that company. And you'll see that company's logo and, uh, you know, indicating that it's customized for them. So direct stock, all of those fees are generalized for any company that uses direct stock. Uh, and the, the computer share investment plans, that's something where the company has a bit more input about how they'd like the plan structure uh, to work in terms of open investment. So those the, those you'll see, those are the two for, um, of these newer types of direct stock plan, like we're calling it. And then you'll see like Depot Direct um, or Disney, if you look up Disney, uh, they've got more of this older style um, that involves more company involvement and sponsorship. Yeah. And one thing actually that we've not gone into uh, is the dividend reinvestment part of these plans, um, because we've experienced uh, this situation with uh, uh, use, having a direct uh, a dividend reinvestment plan active, even when a company has no interest in releasing a dividend. Uh, and it may or may not well, it looks very much like it would enroll your entire account into a plan uh, account. And uh, there are actually different ways of having dividend reinvestment. You can actually have a fully book account uh, with certain companies that will allow you to have dividend reinvestment, but removes the possibility of fractional shares. I believe Carl Icahn, the... the um, activist investor his iep company uh they will round your shares up or down depending on how close you are to reaching that next whole number and they will discard any fractional so there is there are ways to have dividend reinvestment without making your book designated shares aka your actually directly registered shares become part of the uh aggregate of shares that underpin the plan um, because I believe this is this is what um, how Paul Con described it. There are shares that underpin the plan. Uh, that is a very broad term. That could certainly mean shares that um, aren't actually in the plan. Uh, it could be shares that are just enrolled in the dividend reinvestment, and uh, and they would therefore then underpin the plan. So it's uh it's interesting to see there are multiple different ways of achieving not just the buying but also the kind of automated corporate actions like a dividend um so yeah i think it's well worth looking into for anyone who's curious about like just uh well dspps slash drips uh because as you can see if you look at the brochures we've shared in the nest they're lumped together more often than not um, the direct stock plan that computer share uh, has made as its product uh, is both um, and it seems you can't have one without the without the other uh, and then you go to other transfer agents even and they will just not have dsPPs at all um, but they will have a drip um, so 
it's it, there is so much customization available uh, out there, but ultimately the majority of these companies do use the boilerplate free option that puts the shares onto the investors, uh, which is a shame. Um, but I'll, I, I can see from a business perspective, it, it makes sense in terms of operating costs and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to see a bit more incentivizing because if you go back to the Investopedia page or the SEC page, they promote direct stock purchase plans as an affordable way for people to get on board with a company and start investing with them. So if you're someone who wants an affordable way to get on board and invest with a company uh, using a structure that actually, if you're as Six Days in Norton we're talking about, if you're investing a lower amount of money, the fee is actually a much larger percentage of your investment um, than it would be if, say, you were a much larger investor investing a thousand or ten thousand dollars at a time. Uh, and the same goes for sales. Um, arguably, if you're investing a small amount at a time, you probably wouldn't have a huge amount to sell later. Um, and then, you know, the, that twenty five dollar fee would eat in more and more. Um, so th there's things to weigh up there. I think. Personally, I'd be hesitant to to move shares back to a broker to initiate a sale, a sale, because as soon as you move that share back to the broker, it becomes part of the fungible bulk that is CD and Co. Not even just your broker, but the entire market that is held by the DTC. Um, so it's uh, we haven't been able to uh, stress test that <laughs> as an option. Um, my hope is that, you know, moving your shares out of direct registration and back to your broker wouldn't impact the price. But I think as a lot of people who are probably listening right now would agree that actually ownership can have a big impact on what the DTC can do. Um, and it's and it's various participants such as market makers uh, and clearinghouses and, and um, hedge funds and all this kind of stuff. I believe there was. Uh, one of the big hedge fund guys said recently, or, or maybe it was just a video that was dug up recently, he was saying, you know, and we set the price that we believe is correct. And it's like, wait, I thought that was supposed to be down to supply and demand, <laughs> not down to one small group of like guys in one building in one city. That's not a very broad view of a market, which is arguably massive. Um, so... Uh, it seems that, you know, ownership of your shares could have an impact on that kind of thing. Um, and, and it's it's an obvious part of the market that, you know, a, a much more illiquid stock would have much larger moves both up and down. So it's it's a lot of just more things, more food for, food for thought. We're, we're just giving a veritable buffet of thought right <laughs> on this call today. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if... Um, Chives or Lawson or Six Days or, or Peruvian Bull, if you had any more thoughts about all these different kinds of plans or uh, what you'd like to see in a direct stock, direct stock purchase plan. Uh, if, if say, you were a company and were going to set one up uh, for your investors. Because, um, uh, yeah, I think I've, I've hit through all my notes now. <laughs> So I'm just fully rambling, but um, six days. I see you've put your hand up. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things we don't know 
is what the issuers pay for this stuff. So we can say, I have my ideal plan, but we don't really know what they're looking at. You know, if, if, uh, if someone ditches direct stock plan and goes the Carl icon route, you know, in my opinion, that would be great for GameStop, but you know, is that a $200,000 decision? Is it a $2 million decision? You know, we don't really know that. And so I would, uh, long-term like to figure out, you know, what, what this is actually costing. And, um, I, I'm, I'm determined to find it out, you know, because, um, I do believe that there are more ideal plans for GameStop and for, uh, other issuers. And I feel like a lot of issuers, this is kind of like for them a set it and forget it, you know, things are working, they're SEC compliant, you know, people seem to be happy. They don't really know what's going on and they're not asking a lot of questions. And so, uh, that's what I plan on doing is ask a lot of questions and, really trying to inform them. Um, I, I just, man, I just was doing something when you were talking and it was one of the plans that I have. The The amount that I paid for the shares, not even including the commissions, was the amount that I paid was not anywhere near the the low of the day. And it, it, it look, I guess I have one, two, three, four, five. I have five buys on here and four of the five are near the high of the day uh, on the price. And one of them is closer, a little bit below average, closer to the low. But I'm going to kind of dig some of this data out because, you know, one thing in the direct stock plan that some people don't know is that these transactions can be negotiated on the side. I don't know if you want to call that a dark pool, but if you look in the direct stock plan, you know, these aren't just, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the biggest transfer agent working with the second biggest bank in the United States and probably working with the biggest market maker, you know, to um, make these buys for us. And so uh, as I gather more data and we can kind of look at where the price is, a lot of people watch GameStop and they're like, oh, we know that, you know, they're going to run it up and we're going to buy the top and then they're going to run it down. You know, we see that happen, but it would really it'd be great to get bigger data on more issuers that have direct stock plan and just really look at this and just really, you know, if, if what I'm looking at right here is showing that there's actually one of the buys was higher than the high of the day. I, I don't know where that happened, but it was the, the high, uh, it, it was four cents higher than the high of the day that I'm showing on Yahoo. So I'm going to dig into this a little bit more and I love to get data. I love doing all this testing and share it with you guys, but you know, I don't think, um, I don't think that they're trying to get us the best price and I don't think there's a lot of people asking questions. And so I would like to change that and try to figure out, you know, um, who, who are, who are they, you know, who, who are these buys benefiting, you know, are they benefiting us? Are they benefiting the issuer? Are they benefiting, you know, bank of America securities? Are they benefiting computer share? And so, um, I, I'm determined to ask more questions, but I just wanted to share that. Yeah, great share. I mean, it goes to show just how much there is still to learn about all of this and how much there is to dig and get these uh, things proved one way or the other. Um, Lawson, was there something you wanted to say there? Hey, sorry, I just, um, you know, you brought something up I hadn't thought about. You were saying you might be reluctant, you know, if you were to go and sell your shares, maybe not moving over to the broker. My thought was, well, yeah, after looking at all these fees, if I were to go to sell, I would definitely move it over to the broker because, 
you know, it'd be so much cheaper to sell. But that idea that, you know, the stress test hasn't been done, that, that was a, something I hadn't thought of. And I appreciated you bring that up. Anytime. Yeah. I love, I love adding an extra perspective on things. I'm always trying to look at different ways of different angles on this stuff. Um, I do think that one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is that uh, brokers and, and other people always talk about, well, you know, in a panic, you know, you're not going to be able to sell fast or anything like that. But, you know, uh, when you go to sell or buy, a lot of times you would have bought or sold too, you know, too soon. And so it goes both ways. You know, if, if it does take time to transfer back to a broker, maybe the price is higher. You know, people always assume, oh, it's definitely going to be lower because I didn't get to sell it exactly when I wanted. And so I would guess maybe it's 50-50. People always, you know, say, um, always mention the one without mentioning the other. And a lot of times I've gone to buy something and I couldn't buy something and I bought it later and it was cheaper or I went to sell it and I sold it later and it was, uh, you know, more expensive. So it backing up a little bit i don't sell anything but <laughs> back back in the day when i used to um i i did uh did notice that yeah i mean as i mentioned earlier i am terrible at timing the market it's it's a completely unpredictable and fickle mistress um which is why sometimes i give up and i'm like you know what i'm just going to go through the plan and that will decide when the shares get bought um but yeah, as you say, it's it's uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the these um, buys and recurring buys, especially the recurring buys, they are on specific dates at specific times, and you don't even have to pay for payment for order flow to see when that's happening and front run that kind of order. So um, yeah, just one one extra thing to kind of bear in mind. Um, but of course, when you buy through a broker all the data gets input through all the people trying to front run your order. So of course they front run those orders every time. Um, but we don't see the price change quite as much as we do as we do uh, when it happens through a plan. And by price change, I mean the price changes before the buys hit usually. And like you say, they tend to be on the higher end uh, of that day anyway. Um, but yeah, sorry, you got your hand up again, six days. What's up? Yeah, sorry. I, I did think of one thing, and I know a handful of us have talked about it, but even if GameStop or whoever knows that this is happening, even if they know that the price you're paying is higher, and even if they know you know, that a computer share is getting all these fees and they're not disclosing them, there is one plan. It's the Disney plan, which is very interesting. If you look at them, there's a certain section in there that says that the issuer, which is Disney, cannot have any input on when these transactions happen. So if Disney notices, hey, everybody's sales happen to be going through on these scheduled days that the whole public knows are happening and they're paying a higher amount, we think y'all should shake it up. They, according to this plan that I'm reading, they've signed an agreement that they can't have input. You know, if they want to have input, they need to change transformations or do something. But according to that plan, I, I just thought that that was very interesting because we always say, well, if GameStop knows it's happening, why don't they just tell them to shake it up over two or three days? And according to that Disney plan, they're not allowed to. Mm. 
And actually, this this conversation has reminded me part of the reason why this topic I thought was important to to really get into again. Um, there, there was a post on on Reddit uh, maybe last week or the week before where someone was like, "Oh yeah, there is this price movement every week around um, recurring buys." So whether the recurring buys are making it happen or not, it's happening and maybe everyone should jump on it and then everyone should also jump on playing options around this spike that seems to be guaranteed um and like oh it just it it smelled really bad to me it smelled like it smelled like a bit of a trap to get people into colluding and work like organizing in a way that is not appropriate Um, i agree i i don't like anything about those discussions I, i believe that we know when these buys are happening. Um, what What is being talked about is that they affect price. Now, the direct stock plan says that they don't have to affect price. And then there's options trading happening at the same time. And I believe that uh, those discussions that are being allowed to take place, I think that th- that is uh, a recipe for disaster. And so I... You know, in anyone that's doing that, I would suggest not to participate in that. Yeah, like I, I'm far from a legal expert, but it, it seems a lot closer to the kind of market manipulation accusations that with, have been thrown around the community before. Uh, just in general, of like, be careful. You don't want to be caught, or, like manipulating the market, which. Um, yeah, I mean, we're to- it's it's ironic because we're told we can't <laughs> have any power over the market anyway. But um, if we try that, then you get shut down for it. But like I'd say, you know, what we're doing about advocating for direct registration, not market manipulation. This is about ownership. This is about custodians uh, and middlemen that like we don't need ultimately. Um, and and the way that those middlemen kind of uh, are like almost predatorially uh, using us to profit uh, and using our pensions and our retirements and investments, uh, you know, hopes and dreams along with them to, you know, further their goals and further diminish yours. So uh, anyway, I'm going on a total tangent. Charles, yeah, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I just wanted to add on to this kind of conversation around the, the this perspective of uh, trying to take advantage of what we're describing here as a noticeable pattern. Um, to say nothing about whether or not it would be considered uh, collusion, like I'm, I'm of the opinion that I don't. I think that people would be fine as far as that's concerned. But what's more concerning to me. Uh, I'm going to read this section here from uh, item five, uh, purchase and transactions in the direct stock brochure real quick. Uh, This sentence says, computer share will cause its broker to affect purchases and sales on any securities exchange where such shares are traded in the -the over-the-counter market or by negotiated transactions uh, upon such terms with respect to prices computer share may accept. So that's over-the-counter market or negotiated transactions. So, People can be making this, you know, they might think they're making a move on some sure thing, but as uh, as Six Days said, the price action is not direct necessarily correlated with the plan uh, because we can see here that ComputerShare would have the option of seeking uh, off-market negotiations 
in order to fulfill the orders. And what that means is if people all steamrolled in, hypothetically, right, in these option plays, uh, and then hypothetically, uh, a different solution was found in terms of seeking fulfillment for those orders, all of a sudden you've got a lot of lost premiums. Um, just throwing this idea out there as a way in the language that we can see that it's it's not so sure of a thing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And that is, that's the quote I was trying to find earlier. Like, yeah, so the computer share can affect the trades uh, in any securities exchange where such trade, shares are traded. That's option one. In over-the-counter markets, that's option two. Or by negotiated transactions, that's option three. Now, negoti- negotiated transactions can even be if one person is going to buy and one person is going to sell at the same time, they're both planned participants, they can just reallocate the shares uh, and call it a day. Um, So it's uh, not necessarily nefarious, but yeah, it's very open. Um, uh, And I mean, they're, they're typical, like even going to these proper securities exchanges, uh, typically, they use Merrill, but they have their option of brokers. They can use any of them pretty much. Uh, they, they have stronger partnerships with some than others, but ultimately, they, they could uh, go down the whole Rolodex until they hit Robin Hood, and they're like, oh, God, okay, I guess we've we got to use Vlad. Um, uh, and uh, who knows how authentic those trades are. Um, but the same with any broker, once it's... Uh, removed from the DTC, whether that's through buying through the plan or transferring from a broker into DRS, it's removed from the DTC and therefore becomes a real share and prevents it from being a kind of fail to deliver. Uh, And then, yeah, either way, if you buy in your broker, you DRS. If you buy through the plan, you've got to take that second step still uh, and DRS if you want that exclusive in, in, in your own name to be the sole legal title holder. Um, but yeah, uh, Lawson, I see you've got your hand up. Yeah. I, I like the way Ch- Chives described that of how it might not be market manipulation. H- however, if you look at certain subs and the moderators and the certain subs that may also run, uh, an option sub and, you know, that same mod might control a narrative or, you know, um, you know, you see one sub talking about, see, it's price action. Let's keep going with this price action. We got to do planned shares because it's hitting the lit market and we're getting price discovery. And that narrative is continued to be supported and people are getting, you know, suggested to keep doing plans and recurring buys. And then you have that mod in an option sub who moderates it saying, these are the weekly options today based on whatever. I do think there is definite potential for market manipulation there. And, you know, Chives mentioned the loss of premiums that that could just be, uh, you know, leading, the, you know, moth to the flame sort of thing there. You know, like people might jump into it and the buys go through a negotiated transaction and there isn't a bump and everyone loses their money. But uh, that might be hard to prove because I'm, I'm sure they're careful with the way they make their recommendations weekly. But just a thought. 
Yeah, it's definitely it could be considered like a conflict of interest um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm the last person to talk about uh, options. I've never touched them and I don't want to. Leverage is, is just, yeah, too risky. I'd rather just own a stock and hold it. Find companies you love and, and own them. I think that's the way to do it. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't stop people from telling me I should try them. <laughs> hey, everyone. Bibic here. Just cutting myself off because we're about to get into some uh, community discussions. Um, we bring some people up and talk through some more topics. And it was such a good discussion, we decided to make it its own episode. So join us on the next episode for discussion about current market structure and the problems with centralisation. Thank you.